welcome to Anchors for Life. We're glad that you've joined us uh, today as we're continuing our series on knowing the God that knows you. And as we, we would pick up from where we left off last time, we were looking at uh, the life of the Apostle Paul at his conversion and then uh, where he really began to know God through the relationship that uh, began on the road to uh, Damascus with uh, him meeting the Lord Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And that was the beginning of him really getting to know God. He had known about God as a religious Pharisee, but to know God comes only through uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, through that relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that was the beginning place for Paul. And, and 30 years later, we looked at Philippians chapter 3, and we saw that 30 years later, Paul still had this deep desire within him uh, to that I might know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. And, and Paul never felt that he had arrived. He always strove for that which was ahead. He always wanted to uh, continue on uh, getting deeper and deeper into that relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we consider that, then we want to pick up from there and we want to suggest some some practical steps and how you and I can get to know God in an intimate way. And uh, one of the first things that I would suggest, I'm going to suggest maybe five, and there are many more, of course, and, and I'm going to suggest five for us for our consideration. And one of the first ones that we might uh, think about is what we find in Psalm 19. In, in Psalm 19, we read, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament show his handiwork. Day unto day utters, utters speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tabernacle for the sun, in which is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and rejoices like a strong man to run its race. It's... Rising is from one end of heaven and its circuit to the other end. There is nothing hidden from its heat. And so as we consider these verses, we see one of the first things that you and I can do to get to know this God is to meditate on his uh, creation. The heavens declare the glory of God. Scripture says, and the firmament thereof. And, and so as we consider this, uh, I think of those verses in Romans chapter 1, verses 18 and 20, that tell us that many of his, in, his invisible attributes can actually be seen in creation. And the hymn writer writes this, uh, O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made, I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, and thy power throughout the universe is displayed. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. Yes, then sings my soul, 
my Savior God to thee, how great thou art. And see, what we get from these portions in Psalm 19 and, and in Romans chapter 1, verse 18 and 20, that, that the creation that we see today helps us to get to know God a little bit better. We see his handiwork. We see his fingers, what his fingers have, have created, and as the psalmist says. And, and so a consistent, in, in creation, what we see is that there is a consistent order. There is a manifold variety, and it ought to cause us to worship, uh, to, to well up within us, uh, this manner of worship, and to realize in a very fresh way what a privilege it is to know the creator of the universe, uh, to meditate on scriptures that emphasize that he is indeed the creator, that the Lord Jesus Christ is, is the creator. And when we come to scriptures like John chapter 1, and maybe the first five verses of John chapter 1, and we come to Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. We come to Hebrews chapter 1 and verses 1 to 3. And in each of these passages, we see that the Lord Jesus Christ is indeed the creator, that nothing was created without him that was created, that all things were created through him and by him and for him. And, and so when we consider these things, yes, creation uh, is something that we can meditate upon as believers and we can uh, realize that the hand of the Creator and as He spoke everything into His existence, as He sustains everything and keeps them uh, right where they are, uh, it's an amazing thing that our Redeemer, our Creator is, has become our Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ, the very one who was the the agent of all things that are created. And we find that he is indeed our redeemer. So as we look at this, meditate on creation, I would suggest that's the first step. The second step, of course, in this manner of intimacy, getting to know our God, the second step would be to study the word of God. Because the Bible reveals to us the very mind of God. In Isaiah 28, verses 9 and 10, uh, there we read, Whom will you teach? Whom will he teach knowledge? And whom will he make to understand the message? Those just weaned from milk? Those just drawn from, from the breast? For precepts must be upon precept, and, and uh, line upon line, precept upon precept. Here a little, there a little. And this is in Isaiah chapter 28. And then we read in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, that all scripture is given by inspiration of God, meaning that all scripture is, is God-breathed. And then we go on to, to read that it is profitable for doctrine, that's teaching, for reproof, that's when we go wrong and we need to be put back into the right place for correction. Uh, that's, that's how we get put back into place. And for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and thoroughly equipped 
you see, for every good work. And you, you see what we learn from this verse is that it's the word of God that teaches us what is right. It's the word of God that reminds us when we go wrong. It's the word of God that teaches us how to get right again. It's the word of God that teaches us how to stay right. And so how important uh, this God-breathed word of God is to us today. And we have it in our fingertips. From cover to cover, the Bible is the infallible word of God. And so how important it is for us to lay hold of it, to equip ourselves with what's in it. It tells us the very mind of God, the will of God is revealed in the word of God. And so Paul told Timothy to be diligent, to present himself approved of God, a worker that does not need to be ashamed, but rightly dividing, cutting that straight line, uh, making a straight line from point A to point B, a straight line, cutting it straight so that we might understand the word of God. And, and it isn't by grabbing one piece of verse and, and running with it, but because no scripture of it is of its own in private interpretation. And so what we do is we compare that scripture with scripture, that which is spiritual with that which is spiritual, Corinthians tells us. And so uh, we, we, we take scripture and use scripture to interpret scripture. We don't need a commentary while well, commentaries are good and they're necessary and need, needful and very helpful. But what we really need is to be men and women of this book. To know how this passage over here might fit in with this passage over here. And not taking things out of its context. But uh, how important this is. And so we rightly divide the word of truth. But, you know, not only meditating on creation, not only studying the word of God, but studying the word of God, of course, is not enough. Studying the word of God must be followed up by obeying the word of God. And, and we find this to be such an important aspect of the Christian life. It's not enough to know about God. It's not enough to know the Word of God uh, and to have a handle on the Word of God. It's more that the Word of God has a hold of you. It's not how much I have of the Word of God, but it's how much does the Word of God have on me. Because you see, it's the Spirit of God who takes the Word of God and helps the child of God to obey the word of God for the glory of God. And so how important this is as we consider this manner of following the Lord uh, and, and knowing the word of God. Psalm 11 verse 10 puts it this way. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and a good understanding have all those who do his commandment. His praise endures forever. The Lord Jesus told his own disciples uh, in John chapter 14, verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. And of course, in John 15, he speaks about this matter of abiding in him and abiding in his word. In 1 John chapter 3, 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, we read this. Now by this we know 
that we know him if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. And then in 1 John chapter 5, verse 3, we read this. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. And as those who claim to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, we must also follow his word. Uh, if you love me, keep my commandments, the Lord Jesus said. So how important this is that the, as I'm in the word of God, that I will allow the spirit of God to, to, to help me to follow after the word of God. And this is very important. A fourth aspect to this is not only meditating on creation and, and studying God's word and following God in, in obedience to the word of God, but a fourth aspect of this intimacy is a manner of communication with God. And that, of course, is true prayer. Prayer is daily communication. Prayer, simply put, is talking to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, when we consider this, it's talking to our Father in heaven, talking to our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. These are the two that we are told that we are to pray to. We, we're given instructions to pray to the Father. We're given instructions to pray to the Lord Jesus. And uh, it's not a matter of re reciting uh, and, and repeating a, a, a ritual or a series of verses uh, that we often uh, here sometimes, uh, but it is, you know, this manner of repeating it over and over and over. Um, you know, sometimes we we hear uh, this manner of uh, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And, and they recite the, the whole of what is called, commonly called the Lord's Prayer, which really the Lord gave as a prayer to the disciples to to teach them the different aspects of prayer, not so much that it should be repeated over and over again in, in, in a ritual. But uh, when we look at this manner of prayer, it is simply talking with God. It is simply talking to my Father, and He becomes my Father through a relationship with His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And now I'm in that relationship, and I speak to him as friend does with friend or as a son does with his father. And this is the privilege that we have. And the Lord Jesus said this in John chapter, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 7 and 8. He said, when you pray, do not use vain repetition as heathens do. Don't just repeat something over and over and over and over again. No, he says, don't use vain repetition as heathen do, for they think that they will be heard by their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things that you have in need of before you ask Him. You know, the, the prophet Hosea gives us instruction and it's some insight into what God is looking for from us in this manner of prayer. Uh, and he says this in chapter 7, verse 14. They did not cry out to me with their heart when they wailed upon their beds. They assembled together for grain and new wine, and they rebelled against me. 
Jeremiah says it this way. And you will seek me and find me when you search with me with your whole heart. And I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will bring you back from captivity. And I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord. And I will bring you into a place from which I cause you to be carried away captive. That's in Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 13 and 14. And so what we have here in these verses is this manner that God wants us to pour out our hearts to him, not in, in vain repetition, but in reality, in uh, really emptying out our hearts to him. Um, when we think a bit about this, uh, uh, these verses refer to Israel, but, but we can make the application to us. And in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, that's exactly what Paul does. Uh, he reminds us of the importance of this matter of communicating with God in prayer. And he says, therefore, and so he says, therefore, I exhort first of all, uh, as a matter of priority, I, I need you to understand that there ought to be supplication, prayer, intercession, and giving of thanks be made known to all men. Uh, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and reverence. Our conversations with God, the Father, and with His Son uh, can cover a wide gamut of topics, of course. Uh, but the most important thing is that the desires of our heart be poured out to Him. Not as a, a wish list, not as a, a, a demands that we might be uh, putting on him, but as requests that we have a place where we can cast our care upon him for he cares for us. First Peter 5, 7, that we can come to the throne of grace where we can meet and, and we can pour out our hearts to him and that we can... Uh, find help in the time of need. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 16, uh, verses 14 to 16 would remind us of this. And so, communication with the Lord is a, a, a way to develop this intimacy with Him. And finally, the fifth one that I would mention is to seek to know more of the Lord Jesus Christ. When we open up the pages of Scripture, it's not just so that we can learn what the passage says, and although that is important. It's not just so that we can learn certain doctrine, certain teaching. That is important. But what we want to do when we open up the pages of Scripture is we want to see Christ on every page. And I think that this is so important. And um, as we seek to... Um, grow in this intimacy with the Lord Jesus, we need to see him in the pages of Scripture. And, uh, you know, we can uh, find him, as I said, on every page. And it's so important. You can find him in a type. You can, if you're in the Old Testament, you can find him in a type, in a, in a picture, or in an illustration, or in a name, or, or some other way. 
And then as you go through the New Testament, how important it is. Study the Gospels because it's in the Gospels where you learn the heart of the Lord Jesus. And you see that as the book of Acts says that he, go, he went about doing every manner of good. And he was filled with the Spirit of God. He was in contact with his Father in prayer. And, uh, and you learn this in the Gospels. You see the Gospel of Matthew, for example, demonstrating him as king and setting him forth as king. You see in the Gospel of Mark that he is that perfect, dependent servant. And then in the Gospel of Luke, you see him as the perfect, dependent man. And then in John's Gospel, you see him as the, the eternal Son of God. And then you come into the book of Acts and you see that it was him who was preached. And you see in the epistles where he is now, he's given instructions to the assembly today. And so how important all of these books and chapters are uh, that we not just see them as knowledge and, 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 and try to gain that knowledge, but we see them as a way of getting closer to the Lord Jesus Christ, getting to know him in a more intimate way. Why is that so important? Because if you want to know what the Father is like, you need to see the Son. And the characteristics of the Father, the attributes of the Father, are seen in His beloved Son. The Lord Jesus says in John 14, verse 9, If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He says in verse uh, chapter 11 of Matthew, Matthew eleven twenty seven. He says this, all things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. And what a precious thing, that as you're in the Word of God, that the Son desires to reveal the Father to you, and the Spirit of God desires to reveal the Son. So the Spirit of God will take the things of Christ, make them precious to your heart, John chapter 16. The Spirit of God takes the Word of God and makes the Son of God precious to your heart. And in doing so, you He reveals the Father to you as well. So when we think about this manner of intimacy, that I might know Him and the power of His resurrection, fellowship of His suffering, uh, five things we outline here today. Uh, one, meditate on creation. Beautiful. Meditate on the Creator, the Lord Jesus Christ. Study God's Word. Obey God's Word. Communicate with the Lord. And seek to know Him in this personal, intimate way in the pages of Scripture. So may the Lord bless you and may you be anchored in your life today for the glory of Christ.